Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New Orleans Saints. This is the Saints Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Here's your host, Ryan O'Leary and Saints Wire editor, John Siegler. Yeah, the Saints have talked to me a, a handful of times. Uh, I wouldn't say that they were the they talked to me the most. So, uh, not that I was surprised when they called, but you know, I was. I, I mean, I was happy for to say the least. But um, they weren't the. I didn't know if if I had to put a top top three together, top five together, that was going to pick me in the first round. I was I wasn't putting the Saints in it, but I mean, I'm, I'm excited that they, that they did pick me. You know, I, I wanted to play for the Saints. They got a lot of guys that are uh, similar to me, but. I mean, it's. It, I was shocked, but excited and surprised more so than shocked. But I mean, I'm I'm, I'm just I'm just happy to be here. Well, there's Peyton Turner, the Saints' first round pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, John, and it sounded like he was as shocked as the rest of us to hear his name called at number 28 overall on Thursday night, right? I mean, not saying it's a bad pick by any means, but we were a little surprised by this one. It sounds like he was too a little bit. Yeah, I think everybody except the Saints themselves were kind of taken aback here. Um, you know, the Athletic reported that four different teams reached out to the Saints and commended them on that pick because they were hoping Turner was going to fall to them there at the end of the first round. Um, and we, we we saw three defensive ends get picked right afterwards. And, you know, I think Turner was a much more coveted player around the league than maybe was reflected in, in mock drafts and certainly in fans' expectations going into this event. And I think that's a big that, that, that's just a big side effect of this how off this whole year has been as far as everyone being in isolation and the pro day circuit being shortened down and limited access. And I I just don't know that what fans experience going into this draft really accurately reflected how teams were working, certainly how uh, the Saints were working. And so that's how we ended up with yeah. University of Houston defensive end Peyton Turner to the Saints at 28 overall. Yeah, it's such a fascinating draft in the sense that the access to the players was different the amount that the players played in a lot of senses were, you know, guys opting out, all that. I think there was a lot of players that teams kind of were hoping were down on people's draft boards. Maybe we're hoping were projected as day two picks, right? Because they wanted to get their guy. I think maybe, maybe a guy like Peyton Turner would have shot up a draft board if he played more than a handful of games in 2020, right, John? I mean, that's, that was kind of one of the more fascinating parts of this entire draft was that I think teams were picking players that they were kind of hoping would no, nobody else knew about. And, there was guys that didn't play a lot of football last year that you know could have gone anywhere, could have gone late in the first round, could have gone in the second round, and I think Peyton Turner was one of those guys. Yeah, totally. And Turner himself, uh, based off the conversations he had with NFL teams in the week going into the draft, uh, he expected to be picked in the twenty to forty range. He ends up at twenty eight, right in the middle. Um, and and so it, it, as far as you know, calling to pick a reach or. Um, that it was just coming out of left field or anything like that. I, I just think again that, that comes down to what fans were led to, what 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 our expectations were informed by as far as uh, media reports with limited access to the normal sources and just everybody doing. I mean, everybody had a mock draft. I think I think I'd, I've done dozens of mock drafts going into this thing, and so you kind of get some group, some groupthink involved there, but. Uh, Turner, he's an interesting player. Um, I think he's more pro-ready than Marcus Davenport was when the Saints picked him a few years ago. And, you know, that's been the real frequent criticism of the Turner pick is that, oh, well, here's Marcus Davenport 2.0. And that's just totally inaccurate. Uh, Turner, he, he can play with his hand in the dirt. Like, like he is a, he is a ready to help in, as a rookie. 
And I think, he, I think he's going to get off to a much faster start than Marcus Davenport did. And depending on how things shake out over the next year or two, he might end up replacing Davenport or Cameron Jordan in the starting lineup. So it, it's a pick made with some year one considerations in mind, but really this is like a multi-year um, pro- I don't want to call it a project because, like I said, I mean, he, he's a fairly polished guy coming out. Like He's already got some pass rush moves. He's got some tools he can use, and he's going to be effective. I'm, I'm much more excited about the pick now than I was on Thursday night. I think the reaction, John, was, okay, you have Davenport. You already signed uh, Tano Passignon, right, another edge player. So I think this wasn't seen as as big of a need. Definitely they could use some help on the edge, but I think you just nailed it. I mean, it does make you wonder about the team's confidence of Marcus Davenport, and I think Turner kind of slots in right behind him, right next to him. He's going to push him. I mean, I think that's where I would put Turner on the depth chart, right there next to Davenport, right behind him. That'll be like a little training camp battle that we'll be covering. Uh, But, you know, I think edge wasn't seen as such a big need, right? And the Saints do pass up on some good receiving prospects like Elijah Moore. They, they passed up on the best interior defensive lineman on a lot of people's boards and Christian uh, Barmore, right? I mean, we talked about Asante Samuel Jr. My prediction did not come true. I was rooting for it, John. Didn't, didn't come true, but Asante Samuel Jr. was on the board. Uh, so it was interesting that they did go edge, right? But I, Davenport, that whole thing, it's like insurance almost. Uh, that's kind of what my gut reaction when they made the pick. Yeah, and what was interesting to me is that happened on the same day that the Saints exercised that number 50-year option. Um, so yes. it, that's kind of a vote of confidence in Davenport, but then they also bring in a guy who could who could potentially replace him in a couple of years. So going into training camp, there's five defensive ends, I think, who can play on the roster, and that, that's a great situation to be in, where you've got Jordan and Davenport at the top, you've got Turner uh, competing for snaps in the Trey Hendrickson role, and then you've got uh, passing on, and you've got uh, Carl Granderson, who had five sacks as the backup last year. Um, so the Saints, they, they do not lack for options. I think that's a great situation uh, to work with. Uh, they're at, at a, a position out on the edge where you are rotating guys fairly often, and uh, it, 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 it's, it's very interesting. Like I said, I, def- I definitely feel much better about the pick now that I've you know, figured out who this guy actually is. Um, after a few days and kind of seeing how the draft shook out from there on. But it was fun watching you react in real time, John. You were just like in a panic. You're like, who is this player? You know, like, what are, what are they doing? But then like you kind of cover yeah, around. I, it's I, so I, fun I, to watch that play out. <laughs> there was a Peyton Turner in the draft going into Thursday <laughs> night. So that was, a, that was a learning experience for me. <laughs> Same here. I was like, who is this guy? Uh, but that's the fun of the NFL draft. And I think this season in particular, there's just so many guys that teams didn't want you to uncover didn't want fans and experts or anyone to uncover on their big boards. And they, it seems like the Saints really wanted this guy. Uh, but I thought one thing that was super interesting was even before the first pick was announced, John, on Thursday night, there's all this drama around Aaron Rodgers. And then there was all this noise about the Saints trying to move up into the top 10 to pick a non-quarterback, right? So that, there was a lot of buzz with the Saints moving all the way up into the top 10, way up from 28. And we talked about, I mean, they've, they've been uber aggressive in the past. In your big uh, Saints Wire mock draft, you guys had the Saints moving up on a couple occasions. And uh, I, I was waiting for a huge move. It didn't happen. You know, what was going on there? Yeah, so that, that was a very rapidly developing situation. Uh, so the Saints started up Thursday morning uh, calling all these teams, picking it in the, in the latter half of the, of the top 10, you know, calling uh, Denver and Detroit and even the Cowboys at 10. Uh, pretty much everybody in that range except for the Carolina Panthers because they're not about to trade with the division rival. Uh, but And so the, the idea was 
Corner is our most pressing need. It's, it's the number one priority. It's, a, it's what we've got to, to address before we do anything else. So how, how, can, how can we do that first? Well, by picking a lot sooner than at number 28. And so the Saints are calling these teams, trying to find somebody to bite. Um, Detroit was not interested in moving, moving, moving out of that pick. Carolina, not even answering the phone. You get to Denver at nine, and that was a really inter- interesting situation. Uh, so Denver was willing to move down. But they, the Saints would have to give up three first-round picks to make that happen, um, plus other assets, you know, second-rounders, mid-round picks. But they, they would have had to pay a king's ransom to make it happen. And ultimately, the, the, the view is not worth the climb to get that done. Um, and that's why the Saints ended up staying put uh, all the way back at 28. And ironically, uh, the Broncos ended up picking the corner that the Saints would have picked in that spot if they had moved up to nine with, with uh, Patrick Sertain. Um, or Sertain, excuse me. And so it was just a really interesting situation to follow, all the twists and turns, everybody's leaking different information. Um, I've said before that Fox Sports Insider Jay Glazer is the, you know, the authority uh, when it comes to Saints rumors uh, yes. because he is, you know, BFS with Sean Payton. And so whenever <laughs> right, he right, says right. that the Saints are looking to move up for a non-quarterback, well, he, that's because Payton, that's because he's, he's texting Payton saying, hey, who are you going up for? Is it, is it Justin Fields? Is it Trey Lance? And Payton is telling him, not a QB. Like, uh, he has a direct line to the to the Saints head coach, so th- it just has another wrinkle to it all, and that that just really put a stamp of, um, I guess, authenticity on, on a lot of this trade speculation and all the smoke and mirrors going on in, in the hours leading into the draft. Yeah, I, w- I would love Patrick Sertan in a Saints uniform. That would be sweet, but not if it if you give up three first round picks for that player, then he he better he has to be Darrell Revis, right? Like he has to yeah, be no, from day one. Can, yeah, and if you're giving up three first rounders, you better be doing it to go get go get a quarterback. Yeah, I mean exactly. you, you can't do exactly. that at any other position. I mean I mean look, look, look at what uh, San Francisco gave to go get Trey Lance. I mean they basically decapitated their next couple of draft classes uh by giving up all those first round picks and that's just not something the Saints are in a position to do. Yeah, well, they could have done it for Justin Fields, but that's a story for another day, John. We don't have to harp on that. They didn't yeah. want Justin Fields. Uh, but Or Mac Jones. Or I Mac mean. Jones. <laughs> but they got themselves a quarterback. They got themselves a quarterback in round four. That's the topic of much discussion. We'll get into that and other moves made on days two and three coming up next. Look, we, we spent a lot of time with him. Uh, you know, the first thing you see is a guy that, you know, has won a lot of games. Um, he's someone that I think is a good foot athlete. Uh Real good competitor. I, I, we liked a lot. Um, he's played played in big games, played at a high level. Uh, so, you know, we 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 felt like it was it was right at the right time in the draft that that would be good for us. And um, you know, we're glad he was there. Well, there's Saints uh, head coach Sean Payton, of course, talking about the fourth round selection of Ian Book. And uh, I just I like it when he says he you know he's a good foot player you know that's that's literally in the name of the sport football right so he's a good foot player I like how he describes yeah. that John but uh, I, I don't know this wasn't my favorite selection the Saints going with Notre Dame quarterback Ian Book but I, I like it better than Kyle Trask in the second round like the Bucks did so I guess if you're justifying it that way round four want to take a flyer on a quarterback sure you know I, I'm like it's it didn't like drive me crazy or anything it was my favorite pick but. Okay, I'm fine with it. At least they didn't do this in the second round. That's all I got to say. Yeah, you know, if you're going to burn a pick on a backup QB, I'd rather do it in round four than rounds two or three. And then that's what we saw happen um, with Kyle Trask to the Bucks at, at the 64th pick. 
And then immediately after, we see Kellen Mond go off the board. We see Davis Mills go off the yep. board. Started the run. Um, you see all these. Yeah, you, you see that, that that run start. And, you know, just like Ian Book, all of these guys are probably going to be career backups in the NFL. None of these guys are going to be starting anytime soon. None of them are going to be really pushing for a starting job. Um, you know, maybe Davis Mills does, depending on what happens with Deshaun Watson's situation in, in Houston. And even then, they've got Tyrod Baylor ahead of him on the depth chart. Right. So, you know, n- none of these guys are going to be first-year contributors in this league. And I just think we really need to keep that in mind when we're evaluating the Ian, the Ian Book pick. Because as for Book himself, it, what was really interesting to me, that this was pointed out uh, by Nick Underhill at New Orleans Scott Football, uh, Ian Book passes all seven of the rules that Bill Parcells set down when he was scouting for franchise quarterbacks um, back when back in the day. And as as we all know, Parcells was Sean Payton's mentor, taught him everything he knows. And I, I don't think it's an accident that Payton kind of leaned on that a little bit in evaluating this class and finding a, a QB to target. So like you said with with uh, Book, he's, he's a QB. He's won a lot of games. He's, he's started many, many competitive games at the college level. Um, it's no accident that he was the quarterback on – at Notre Dame, and every year he started, they they had their eyes set on competing for the college football playoff. So, I think I think he might be a better football player than Saints fans may be giving him credit for right out of the gate. Um, but at the end of the day, he, he, I mean, he, he's at best your third quarterback on the depth chart, and that's only if he's going to be Trevor Simeon for a job in training camp. So, when you consider that most picks on the third and final day of the draft are long shots to make the team at all. I've got no problem taking this thing on a QB like this, who has a, a decent enough resume and who, who you know, might, might be able to benefit from better coaching in the NFL than what he had at the college level. So the Saints, they made uh, a couple picks on day two. Uh, they get a linebacker out of Ohio State in Pete Werner, who I think could line up Right? Alongside Demario Davis and start for you, right? I mean, that's probably what they have projected yeah, for work. Right now. Yeah, yeah. He, he is he is your projected starting will linebacker. Um, he's going to cross train at Mike a little bit, but, you know, right now the plan is well, well so we know the Saints, they, they typically only run two linebacker sets on the on the vast majority of their downs. I, I think they only fielded three, line, three or more linebackers on like 88 snaps last year out of the thousand that they played. Um, and so it's going to be two linebackers. We know Demario Davis has one spot in, in the middle. And right now it looks like Warner is going to be uh, the will. So he'll have some competition in training camp, but I think, I think he's a solid pick. Um, he has started a lot of games at the college level too, uh, 35 out of, out of 47 that he's played. Um, he's played in a lot of playoff games at, at the college level, lots of high stakes contests. What I would like to see him do is – Move as well with, when he's wearing pads and a helmet as he did at his pro day. Because he tested like like just a terrific athlete at his pro day. I mean, I'm talking 40 time, uh, three cone drill, his, his jumps. Um, he, he was moving really well. And you just don't see that often enough in his game tape. And so ho- hopefully the Saints can coach him up a little bit and kind of tap into that potential. Uh, because if he, if he can reach it, he, he, can, he can play in this league for a very long time. And then in round three, the Saints got a guy that, that you love, John. You gave him an A. Uh, in your uh, your post draft analysis, the corner out of Stanford, Paulson Adebo, and this is like it, it seems reading up on him a little bit. It seems like this was deemed one of the better value picks of the whole draft for the Saints, uh, and we knew they were going to address corner at some point. And it looks like they well, they got a chance to have nailed it here in round three, which is which is a good sign. Yeah, I mean, I love the Paulson Adebo pick. Like I, I'm a big fan 
of, of his. I, I was a fan going into the draft. He's just not someone I really considered uh, during the third round because I, I did think he was going much higher. I mean, depending on where you look, the, the school bio uh, says one thing, uh, pro uh, college sports reference.com is another uh, as far as his career um, passes defense numbers. But, but I mean, everyone agrees he, he deflected more passes for Stanford than he played games. Uh, he appeared in 22 games, a great uh, stat. Start, started 21 of them, and and Sanford says that he deflected 34 passes over that time. Uh, that is just out, outrageous production. I mean, that, that breaks the chart when you look at these things. Um, you know, your, your guy Bill Belichick has spoken before about how interception numbers can kind of be, well, they, they are highly variable from one year to the next. And so the best measure of a player's ball skills is to look at how many passes defense he has relative to how often he plays. And you're not going to find a better ratio in this class uh, than you will with Paul Sanadebo. And I think, I think he's a, just, just a great addition at where the Saints got him from a scheme fit. I think he's going to do really well. Um, I'm, just, I'm just interested to see if they kind of throw him into the fire um, in week one or if they're able to, to find a, you know, a veteran corner for him to compete with in training camp. So what do you think, John, about the just the approach overall that the Saints took? Um, you know, they did go after a wide receiver, but not until round seven. So I thought they would, you know, they had a chance, like I said, to, to pick a wide receiver at various points of the draft, declined to kind of, took a flyer on one late. Uh, but what do you think overall and maybe specifically on them not really addressing wide receiver in this draft? Yeah, it was kind of frustrating because you would like to see the Saints give Janice Winston more high-end options to work with that receiver yeah. uh, beyond just Michael Thomas. Um, but the, the more I think about it, the more it kind of makes sense because they, they don't lack for guys who are good athletes, who have a lot of upside, a lot of potential. Uh, they, they've got plenty of those. You know, they, They've got a, a, a good variety of body types, of athletic profiles. You know, they, they, They've got plenty of options in the receiving core as it is. The issue is that none of them have really proven anything in the NFL, and I don't know how adding a rookie you know fixes that. There are guys that I really liked in this draft class. You know, guy you mentioned earlier, Elijah Moore, he, uh, big big fan of his. I, I would have loved to see him in black and gold, but uh, you know, at the end of the day, I just don't know that it was as big of a priority inside the building as it was outside uh, for, for the Saints. And only time will tell if that was the correct approach for them to take. Another draft behind us, John. It's hard to believe we get another draft class. So now I guess I guess coming up next, we start looking at position battles. Training camp is going to be starting in a couple months, right? I mean, it's almost on, man. Before we know it, we're going to be kicking off again. Yeah, I can't, cannot wait. I, I think it's it's been a fascinating offseason for the Saints already, and I think it's going to continue just to be, be really interesting with lots of twists and turns. Um, I'm really interested to see what they do once their uh, 2022 top picks are protected, uh, when, when that cutoff date uh, passes us, which is, you know, well, it's happening now already. Uh, we're recording on Monday. This will go out later this week. And so I think that's going to lead the Saints to make some more free agent additions. But once they've freed up some money, uh, hopefully by working out long-term contracts with some of these guys like Ryan Ranchek, uh, Marshawn Lattimore, Marcus Williams, um, the, the roster is far from set. I've, I've been tracking it. I've got them with, I believe, 78 or 79 players on the contract right now. And you, you need 90 to go into training camp. So they, they've got about a dozen roster spots left. And it'll be interesting to see what they do with those, where, where they look to bring in more help, uh, where they may look to make a splash. I, I, my, my bold take of the summer or whatever, I don't think the Saints have done it quarterback. I, I, don't, I, I don't think that they're – 
the, the four guys they have now are the four they want to take in. I, th- I think that, that James Winston is the favorite to win that job. Taysom Hill is uh, going to have a he's going to have a legit shot. I just don't think he's going to win, but he is going to have a legitimate shot to be the starting QB in Week One. And then they just drafted Ian Books, and he's safe. The, the fourth spot is Trevor Simeon, and I think the Saints can find a better option than him. No, no offense to Trevor Simeon, but there are guys who have started more games in this league, guys who have more upside than him. And I think the Saints are going to continue to explore their options, whether that means a trade or a free agent tryout or whatever it may be. Um, and that's the spot where I'm, ca- I'm kind of keeping a close eye on to see how that, how that develops, if it develops at all, going into July. Well, maybe a guy I'm very fond of from, my, from his days up here in New England, John, like a Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, something like that. Something like that could shake free easily over <laughs> yeah, the next couple hey, months. He's an Eastern Illinois guy. Oh, uh, yeah. Payton was a big fan of him coming out of school. There's uh, a connection there, the yeah. There's a good connection there. Maybe that's and, something we yeah. can tackle here coming up. Yeah, no doubt. So we'll, we'll see. You know, I don't, I don't know that Jimmy G's uh, price tag would fit in New Orleans, but if he were to get out of that contract, I could totally see the Saints taking the flyer on him and bringing him into their school for wayward quarterbacks. So I, I think that would be a really fascinating development. No, no doubt about it. So, yeah, so coming up next week, we're going to take a look at all this stuff. Maybe take a look at the second tier of free agency leading up into trading camp. I'm looking forward to that. We will talk to all of you then. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.